I'll be reading John 13, 34 through 35. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you, will love an un- that you also love one another. By all this, men will know that you are my disciples, if you have for- love for one another. John 13, 34 through 35. Morning, everyone. Go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 7, or excuse me, Luke chapter 6. That's where we'll be at. Luke chapter 6. And Dan mentioned here just a, a minute ago that uh, Myron and Vicki Bruce will be here next Sunday. He'll be leading songs and doing uh, part of the lesson anyway. And, uh, and so we've talked about for a while that we think as a church we're at a point where uh, hiring an additional minister is, is uh, an important next step for us. And so what we're, we're going to... Myron and Vicky are going to come, and we're going to spend the week with them and, and just pray through whether this is a good match, this is a good time, and all of that. And that's really what we're asking um, for, um, is that God just lead us through this. Um, and, and he provide guidance and he provide direction as to what the right solution is. And so um, all of us are in this together. We're all walking through this together, and um, we'd uh, appreciate all of us praying together through this process and also... We'll just, uh, you'll have opportunities to, uh, di- different times to meet and greet and, and try to walk through, uh, and, and meet Myron and Vicky and, and, uh, see, see where God's leading us right here at this point in time. So it's an exciting time to see where God is, is working. And, um, again, let's continue to pray all of us through the process and see, see where God's, see where God's at. We've got, um, also, uh, we'll look in, in, uh, in Luke chapter 6 here, but I want to start with, um, how many of you have read the book by Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People? I think I've talked about it before. Tremendous book, uh, tremendous, tremendous book about how to, how to interact with people in, in such a way that you, you, you get along and you bring the best out of other people. And one of the things that he talks about right at, at the very beginning, his whole thesis or his whole premise is, is that we, as people, more than money, more than anything else, we tend to be people who want our lives to matter, and we want to make a difference in the lives of the people around us, um, more, than, more than anything else. And, and so that is a huge driving force within all of us. And so we are, I, and I believe this is, we see this from, from Scripture, is we are people that are designed and people that God has created to be people that influence others around us. And so we have influence, whether it's going to be positive or negative is the choice that we have to make. But we naturally, and if we're deliberate about it, can influence a whole lot more, but we have influence on the people around us. Can you, can you follow me on that? Do you agree with that? That there's, there's definitely influence that is that we're wired to be able to, to, to try to, to, to be influencers of other people. Okay, so when Jesus comes here, and we're at the point where Jesus is in Luke where he's teaching on the plane, and he's, he's come to this flat surface, and he's walking through his disciples on what it means in order to be a disciple in his kingdom. And last week, we talked about the section that, where Jesus says, love your enemies. This is how, and Lane just read the scripture, people will know you by your love. Because that's one of the things that Jesus talked about. Remember, he talks about how... Uh, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So the big question comes, okay, so how do I do that? How do I love God and, and love others? How do I apply that? And Jesus talked about, we looked at last week, verses 27 to 31. It means love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless or speak well of those who speak poorly of you, 
and pray for those who mistreat you because all of us realize that there's been times in our life where someone was kind to us even when we didn't deserve it. And so when people are kind to us when we don't deserve it, when people do to us, uh, us, us, when people do to us as we would have them, when we, we do to others as, they, we would ha- as we'd have them do to us, what happens is we break this cycle of, of being unkind to each other, then someone else one-ups us and it just escalates and it turns into this ugly situation. What we learn to do is we learn to change the course and change this crazy cycle and turn it into something different. And it becomes contagious and it becomes infectious around us. Is that when we are kind to people who are unkind to us, what happens is it changes them. And God's kingdom expands and it takes off through the way that we, we act towards each other. So we're going to continue on here. Is part two of how to treat other people. Look at verse 37. Jesus says, Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with a measure you use, it will be measured to you. So Jesus says... Again, he continues to teach us how to treat other people. And his instructions are, don't judge and condemn. And what I want you to do is be people who forgive and give. Okay, so let's unpack some of this here. We're talking about judging. This is We're not going to go into a big discussion of judge or do not judge and all that this morning. Because when you read, especially through John, Jesus at times says, do not judge. At other times he says, do judge. Okay, so in the times where he says, yes, you are to judge... It's in the context of, all right, people are, there's rampant evil around us. Do we, do, do we ever talk about that? Well, yes, okay, yes. When there is, there is a deliberate sin, we are supposed to make judgment calls in order to call people higher and closer to God, okay? But what Jesus is talking about here is something very different. And we'll get to this, because you remember he's just had several interactions with the religious leaders. What he's talking about here is, if we can say it this way, do not be overly critical. Do not walking around continually correcting what everybody else is doing. That's what Jesus is getting at right here. This is the point. Yeah, Beth said, amen. Yeah, absolutely. All of us can say that, right? We don't like to be corrected constantly, especially unfairly. But that's what Jesus is, is getting at, and we'll, we'll unpack this even more when we go back and talk about the religious leaders. But sometimes we can get into a position where we see ourselves as a person that needs to go around and continually correct and continually talk down to, condemn others around it because they need to get their stuff straight. That's what needs to happen. And Jesus says, don't do that. What I want from you is you to be people that are not known by going around and correcting everybody, but by your forgiveness and by being generous. That's what I want you to be known for. And forgiveness means forgiving people or letting the the unkind things, the hurt that has come against us, allowing God to take that and not be burdened by that. And like we've talked about before, is sometimes we have discussions about what's a salvation issue and what's not. Forgiveness is very clear from Scripture that this is absolutely, totally a salvation issue. If we don't get our hearts and minds around this, as God says, if we are not able to forgive, then we're not going to be forgiven. This is a huge deal for us and what God wants for us in his kingdom. And so what he's telling us is what I want you guys to be known for, I want my people to be known for, is being people that that are full of forgiveness and full of generosity towards other people. And, and by the way, whatever you give in these categories, that's what's going to come around and that's what you're going to get. 
Okay, you get what you give. So if I am one that walks around that is working on continually correcting other people, continually nitpicking in, in the stuff in the lives of other people, then God's going to look at me the same way, and also people in this life are going to look at me the same way, and I'm not going to have much influence at all. But it's different when we are known for being people that are forgiving, for people that are giving. And that flows out of us. Then the influence that we have is contagious, and it just goes around to the people around us. Okay, so let's continue on here. And Jesus talks about, in, uh, in verse 39, which I'll, I'll read next, but you notice what, he's, what he mentions here. He says, right at the end of verse 38, a good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over, we poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Shaken down, running over, all of that. The idea is, is that when people would go to the marketplace in order to buy grain, and we can relate to this. How many of you have ever gotten a bag of chips that you open it up and it's almost empty? You know what I'm talking about? Like, there should have been more chips in here, okay? This is not okay. Right, so the idea is, is that, just imagine you're going, in Jesus' day, you're going to a place, you're going to buy grain, and you have your container there. And you go up and you give the container to the, to the guy who is, uh, who is selling his, his grain there. And he says, all right, we've got some great stuff today, and I'm going to fill your, your container up here, and I'm going to press it down, and I'm going to shake it, and, and I'm going to fill it. And in fact, if you have another container to put underneath it here, I'm, going to, I'm not going to charge you for all this, but I'm going to fill it up so it's, it's overflowing over the sides, and you get to take this home. And you're sitting there thinking, wait a minute here, this is good stuff. I'm going to be able to eat two extra meals from this generosity that this person's given me. And that's the point that Jesus is making here, is that if we give to others, what's going to happen, if we're forgiving and giving to others, what's going to happen is the amount of goodness that is going to come back our direction is phenomenal. And, oh man, hang on, because the goodness that others and God is going to pour out on you is, is off the chart. Okay, let's continue on verse 39. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above a teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your, your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Okay, so Jesus gives two parables here in order to really get this idea across. Number one, the blind cannot lead the blind, right? It doesn't work. You see this picture up here behind. Is That's not going to end well, is it? No. There's, a, there's sometimes, a, I know that with a teenage class here about a year ago, we played this game where someone was blind and had to lead the other person across the room through obstacles. If both are blind, there's no way that that can happen, is there? But you think about what Jesus has been through here in the book of Luke here the last little bit. He has gone to his home synagogue and he's been rejected because he said the Gentiles are going to come into the kingdom of God. Oh, get out of here. We don't want to hear that. That's not, that's, we're not on board with that. You see that Jesus goes and eats with people who are tax collectors and the religious leaders say, do you realize what that looks like? You're eating with people who do bad stuff. That means you're part of it. Jesus... Yeah, I didn't come to call. People who are righteous don't need me. It's the people who are sick. These are the people who think, who need me. And I'm going to influence them. You know, complain and whatever. He, uh, 
he, he has some discussions with the religious leaders because his disciples pick some grain and they're going like this on the Sabbath. And the religious leaders say, Oh, you're threshing grain. You can't do that. Why are they violating the Sabbath? Jesus says, Hey, a lot of people have violated the Sabbath. And by the way, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. You see this continual conflict. The religious leaders say, Why do our disciples and John's disciples fast, but yours don't? Insinuating, You're just not real spiritual. You see, Jesus is talking about my disciples, my followers, and my kingdom. I want them to be very different than this. Not continually poking, not continually judging, not continually condemning other people. But because if we live that like that, the spiritual blindness that we have does not allow us to lead anybody else because we have not figured out what it means to forgive and to be generous and give towards others. We've missed it. Blind leading the blind. He continues on and says... Or if someone has a giant plank in their eye, and this is a humorous, imagine that people laughed at this. Both of these parables, because they're so both ridiculous. Okay, this is a piece of driftwood. We were up at my my parents' house in Libby this last weekend, uh, this last week for for the Christmas holiday. And um, and by the way, the church there sent their greetings. I taught on on Wednesday night, and it was just a a neat time. Uh, Dennis and um, Heckman and... Jeannie, uh, we're part of the church here for a long time. They're up in Libby now, and they send greetings. But this is a piece of driftwood that uh, Sylvia got from my, my dad. He had down in his barn. It's kind of pretty, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty like this. But if this thing were stuck in my eye, it wouldn't be so pretty, would it? I need a volunteer. Lyle, come on down, man. That's great. Lyle's a great volunteer. See, Lyle and Victoria bought a house in Billings, and they're moving there this week. So this week? This week. All right, Lyle and Victoria, you guys mean a lot to the church here. You'll always be loved. This always be, you always got a home here. You know that. We're excited for the places God's going to take you next. And so what I'm going to do, Lyle, have you ever had a piece of sawdust in your eye? I work in the jobs that you do with your dad. You've had sawdust in your eye before, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to put this in my eye, all right? Now, I'm going to come get this out, the sawdust out of your eyes. Does that sound good? Will you trust me with that? You think I can do it? No. How, why not? Got it. Got your own issues. Yeah, I got my own issues. Yeah, I got my own issues. That's right. Have a seat, Lyle. Well said. Okay, that's it. That's how it works. If I've got a plank in my eye, I've got my own issues, and I can't hardly think to try to get something out of somebody else's eye, right? And so Jesus' point here is if... You need to look at yourself first before you decide to try to correct and judge, criticize anybody else. There will be people that are very transparent and self-reflective. And we'll continue with that here in a minute. But a phrase that we use around our house quite a bit, and this is, in fact, it started over the, the Christmas holidays. There's a few different phrases that we use a lot. And Sarah said, I'm going to write these down and make a book of family phrases. Some of them are from movies and and that kind of thing. But one of the phrases we use quite a bit is, you worry about you, and I added first here. Because it's phenomenal as we grow up, as we're learning to to live and and learning to be what, what the Spirit of God wants us to be, how easy it is to point fingers at somebody else and say, that person shouldn't be doing that. And Sylvia and I's response is, you worry about you. 
And that's good advice for all of us, isn't it? Is that it's important for us to be people that worry about ourselves first. Because if I am not healthy spiritually, if I have this big log in my own eye, then I can't very well do anything that's going to influence anybody else, can I? It's not going to work. Because that's exactly what the religious leaders were trying to do. So for us, let's take a look at a few of these concepts on how I should treat others, according to what Jesus talks about today. Number one, we were made to be people to influence others. We're designed to be that way. That's who we're supposed to be. And so the choice we have is, am I going to be one who chooses, and, and I'm deliberately influencing people to call people higher and closer to God, or am I just going to let myself go whatever and my influence be whatever it is, which will mean that my influence is really mixed and, and a lot of my influence is going to cause harm and hurt to the people around me. But we are made to influence others, so don't think for a second that the choices you make do not matter for anybody else, because they do. The people that you work with, your family members, your friends, all of those people are people that are influenced by the choices, by the attitude that you carry, by the way that you love one another. It makes all the difference in the world. Number two, start with yourself. Um, there's a few things here I wrote down that I want to... I'm going to touch on. And that's, for, for all of us, I think we see this with Jesus' disciples. Uh, we see it. The people that, uh, that I've seen are the most spiritually mature are ones that are very, very, uh, that are not the, the ones that are most polished, but are just very aware of their own shortcomings. And that starts with us being humble. Having a humility saying, I know that there is a God and I'm not him, therefore I'm not going to try to be God. But what I'm going to try to be very simply is, is one who follows him in whatever way I can. Uh, Psalm 4.4. 4. Keep your finger there in Luke chapter 6. We'll look at Psalm 4, verse 4. Psalm 4, verse 4. And I think about this quite a bit. It says, Tremble and do not sin, or in your anger do not sin. But when, when you're on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. Offer sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. So you see that, that element of self-reflection there. I'm to be one that when, when I have those quiet moments when I'm lying on my bed, to search my heart and just be quiet before God. And allow God to, to really, um, really work on me. Because I found that for myself, when there are times when I've had unrepentant sin in my life, I don't like quiet. Can you relate to that? I don't like quiet. I want to be busy, busy, busy. I want to run from one thing to the next because if I stop long enough, I know there's conviction coming. And the psalm writer says, embrace that. Embrace the quiet. Embrace those times where we reflect. Be in Scripture uh, regularly, every day. Uh, in fact, this is a great time. The New Year's coming up just around the corner. This is a time for all of us to, to reflect. And if we don't have a a set-aside time or a plan to read through Scripture every day, then I encourage you to do that. If you don't have one, come see me. I can help you with that. There's lots of ways to do it. You can start in the book of Luke and just start reading. It's a great way to, to and read a chapter a day and commit to, to do that this year. Or the, uh, the Daily Bible uh, is organized by Effligard Smith, and what it does is it takes you through the whole Bible chronologically in a year. It's phenomenal. More than any class I've ever taken, that has been tremendous for my spiritual development. I encourage you to... Um, to pursue that as well. There is a part of, of working on ourselves first is, is being prayerful, 
uh, on a regular basis, having mentors in our life that call us higher. All of us need those people in our life that are further along the spiritual journey than, than we are at this point in time that help call us higher. I mentioned this morning during a Bible class that there's some material that I read a while back that talked about how in Scripture there's a whole lot of people that were even spiritual leaders that didn't finish well. And there's about a third of the people in in Scripture who are spiritual leaders at some point in time finish well. Two-thirds do not because they get derailed somewhere along the line. It's a hard thing if if we when we let ourselves get a hold of ourselves to, to go through a life of faith from beginning to end and finish well. There's bumps and bruises along the way, and just learning how to continue to, to get up and keep going no matter what okay, is, is something that, that takes a lot sometimes, even with the help of God, because we get, ourselves we get in the way. But the people, one of the common denominators for people that have done very, very well throughout life and finished well is that they had not just one or two spiritual mentors in their life, but had somewhere on the order of 30 they had a lot of people at different times in their life that they looked to for guidance that was a, a broad perspective of different personality types and, and different people in different places in life that helped them walk through life in different places um, to, to honor God. And so I encourage you to do that. If you've not been deliberate about looking for people around that are just further along, not and mentors, understand, I've never had a mentor that I agreed with completely. Hey, never, ever. We're not wired that way. But I have a lot of people in my life at different times that have been a great example for me that have been helpful in a different phase in life. All of us can find people around us that are like that. And, and I encourage you to do that. But it starts with us. If we're going to treat other people the way that God wants us to treat them, then it starts with, with untangling our own stuff inside of us. Next, uh, when I'm trying to influence others, here's what works. Loving them, learn to forgive them, and being generous to them, and live out life that way. What doesn't work is being continually judgmental and continually condemning of them. That never provides any type of good spiritual influence uh, with the people around us. Now, there are times when, when correction comes, you know, that, that it's that it's important for me to correct others spiritually and support for others to correct me spiritually. All of us have those times that come around. But think about it this way. Hey, when you look in the Old Testament, uh, the, the Old Testament prophets, and you read through Isaiah or Jeremiah or, or something like that, one of the, what you see is there's correction. There's correction that they bring to the people of Israel saying, you're involved in idolatry, you're involved in all sorts of these other things, and it's devastating to you. But you notice the prophets never stop there. What happens next is, but God has got great future ahead for you. God's got wonderful things ahead. And stay the course, be repentant, because you can't imagine the good stuff that's ahead. And the prophets always have a huge healthy dose of hope in the middle of all that conviction. And so for us, whenever it comes in a place where someone around us who is a, a child of God, is pursuing sin, involved in sin, and it's our responsibility to talk with them. Conviction, do not forget hope. Hey, hope is vitally important, and that's how God has always approached us. Not with a, well, you sinned, you're done, that's it. But with a healthy measure of hope when, he, uh, when, when correction comes. Think about it this way. 
How would you respond if someone just comes up to you, gets in your face and says, you did this wrong, you did this wrong, you did this wrong. How do you respond to that? Frowny face. <laughs> yes, frowny face. Well said, Noah. That's what happens. But if someone comes along your side and says, hey, now I saw this in your life and I'm uh, concerned about you. Can I pray with you about it? Maybe I misunderstood something, but I want your spiritual good. Can I walk along beside you through this? How, well, how can I help? If you want me to just pray quietly, I can do that. But I just want to let you know that I'm concerned for you and I love you deeply. And, um, and I forgive you. And I'm willing to give. We tend to respond pretty well to that, don't we? That's how God is. Prophets approached his people. And, and uh, what Jesus is showing us is this is how God wants us to approach others as well. Okay, indisputable matters. And, and Romans 14 talks about this. You see it in other places in the New Testament as well. Because there's some things that we just, there's, there's all sorts of, of factors that come into play with some issues. Not all, but some. And uh, when we talk about, talked about Romans 14, we unpack this a whole lot more. But there's some things that we're just not going to, to figure out on this side of heaven. Okay? In those matters, here's a way that I've found to be very, very helpful. And I think all of this is rooted in Scripture. Assume the best of the other person. When you see someone being involved in something that, or, or doing something that, that you prefer not or you're not real happy about, think about, number one, okay, is this, is this a, a disputable matter? Because there's a difference is that when, when Scripture talks about don't cause your brother to stumble, okay, what that means is doing something that, that creates a heartache in them that causes them to lose faith. Okay, that is different than... I don't want you to do that because it makes me uncomfortable. Okay, that is different. There's a difference between causing your brother to stumble and your brother deciding to grumble. Okay, Th- those are two different things. All right, and Scripture differentiates b- between the two. But in disputable matters, what's important for us is to assume the best in the other people around us, to pray often and live together in peace, because that is what God has called us to do. This is so different than the religious world that Jesus grew up in and Jesus walked around in. Because you had these religious leaders walking around in the place of God, in a sense. And I think from pure motives at some point in time, saying we don't want to go back to idolatry, we don't want to go back to all this stuff that happened before in our past, therefore we're going to go hardcore. We're going to make sure that everybody around us is, is lifting to the strict code that goes above and beyond the scripture, that, that goes far beyond interpretation. And we're going to bind that on everybody. And so we're going to go around and we're going to make judgments, we're going to make condemnations continually with people around us. Jesus says, you're not going to be that way. Not in my kingdom. It's not going to work. What I call you to be is something different. Assume the best in other people. Love, forgive, give, pray often, and learn to live together in peace. And in the early church, that was the thing that set them apart. You see uh, what Lane just read for us here just a minute ago. That Jesus says... A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Man, that's beautiful, isn't it? And the way that we treat each other, the way that we treat others, makes all the difference in the world. And it starts by us deciding, I'm going to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm going to love my neighbors myself. And that means, in practice, loving my enemies and loving people and treating people kindly that are unkind to me and making sure I'm not the one that's going around that is nitpicking and continually critical with the people around me. 
But I demonstrate love, I demonstrate forgiveness, and I demonstrate generosity in whatever I do. And that is a, a tall order for us as, as people because there's a tendency for us to, to, to get off track on this. But I know for myself, I have found... Um, let me say this differently, okay? Confession time with Chris here. Right, there was there was a time in my life where I went through some very very deep spiritual hurt, um, and I didn't realize it so much at the time. But because of some things that had happened in the church that I grew up with, it was I I lived with with a lot of hurt for for a number of years. I didn't realize it, but how it manifested itself is I found myself being, and I didn't realize this at the time at all. Um, but I found myself in my head and my heart being very, very judgmental towards others and walking through life that way on a regular basis. And I didn't always vocalize it, but I thought it. And I figured out years later by a few people that walked alongside me and showed me a different way. They showed kindness. They showed gentleness. They showed peace. They showed love. And they walked me through that by example, by description. And what I found in myself being a recovering, judgmental person. Okay, here I stand before you. Yes. What I found in myself is that I found when I, just, when I realized that I did not have to be God's enforcer, oh man, the peace that I've lived with since has been off the charts. And maybe you've never struggled with that. You guys are probably way more spiritually mature than I am. Okay, you're good. All right, you got it. But here it is for all of us, is that God has called us to make an impact in the lives of other people, and he showed us how to do this. Love your enemies, forgive others, be generous to the others, be very careful with judgments and condemnations. Let God handle all that. But our job is to walk daily through life being this example that calls people into God's kingdom. If you would like to become a Christian or you'd like prayers of the church, the elders are waiting in the back and they'd love to pray with you today. Let's stand and sing together.